This is the Drive-In Podcast. Take one. Bada bing, bada boom. Welcome to episode 140 of the Drive-In Podcast. On today's episode, we have the Lord of the Rings Draft, featuring our special guest, Big Mike, in preparation for the upcoming series, The Rings of Power. So use the bathroom now, grab that popcorn, and enjoy episode 140 of the Drive-In Podcast. Howdy duty. Welcome to episode 140 of TDI. This is Dr. O on the horn to start per usual. I'm joined as always by my sidekick, my co-host, I should say, Ricky Flicks. And not only am I joined by Ricky Flicks today, we are joined by not only our official DC correspondent, but our correspondent for Middle Earth. We got Big Mike on the podcast, right? You see him on the YouTube right now. Welcome, Big Mike. I believe the last time we saw you, we were talking the Batman. Is that true? Yeah, it was uh, Ezra Miller had like three arrests to go. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> Back when DC was flying high. And I got I got to say, my, like Warner Brothers is still taking hits right now. I know me, Ricky and I have not done a checkup in a minute. It's been a little over a week, I think, since our last one. Uh, Warner Brothers, since we last discussed this studio, my favorite studio, and one that was responsible, I think, for Lord of the Rings. Is that true? Warner Brothers, yep. Uh, New Line Pictures produced, I think, Warner Brothers distributed. distributed? Okay, yeah. gotcha. This is why we have Big Mike on the horn right now, and that's why we have him for today's draft. Uh, but Warner Brothers is only releasing two more movies for the rest of the year. One that is seemed like it's doomed at this point with all the news that has come out regarding don't worry darling and then black adam dc movie you never know what dc is going to fire at the general audience so before i get to ricky flex let's introduce big mike how are you my friend how are things pretty good how are you doing <laughs> fantastic i wouldn't say fantastic it's great to see you big mike but honestly this is like my least favorite part of the year i'm going back to work the kids are back i'm teaching physically i'm not doing well like just yeah. straight up not doing well uh, this is the part of the year where i think i'm prepared to start coaching go out in the 90 degree heat start playing some soccer thinking i can keep up with the 15 year olds but uh this is the moment where i'm pulling muscles i'm not stretching i go for 10 second sprints and i gotta take another two minutes off before i do anything else Honestly, just put me in a casket right now. I need this week to end. I need Labor Day more than anyone can believe. But other than that, it's good to be on the podcast with you, Big Mike, even though I'm hurting both spiritually and physically. Ricky that was Flex. deep. Ricky Flick. I know. Sorry. It felt like there was, a, there was like an awkward Hopefully silence after that. <laughs> I just I looked at Mike, and he was just like, maybe doctor is not okay. Maybe the doctor needs to see a doctor, all right? But Ricky Flex, how are you, my friend? Glad to have you back on. I am exhausted. I am exhausted because I have watched 
all three Lord of the Rings movies in the past 15 hours. Oh, Jesus Christ. The hell of a marathon. Exhausted. Exhausted. But I watched I watched Fellowship, Two Towers, back to back, went to bed, woke up early before work, watched Return of the King. Rewatched them all. Mm. <laughs> Due to time, I didn't watch the extended editions. <laughs> but I think I got a good grip on this draft coming up. And although my Lord of the Rings knowledge is probably better than the average human, it will not be as good, I will say, as you two. But I'm still excited for this draft, and especially after seeing, after watching that marathon. I, I also want to know, because I also went on this run this past week, 15 hours. That's like, what? So three hours yeah, per 16, movie? 16, 17. Nine yeah. out of the last 15 hours you spent watching Lord of the Rings. That's kind of bananas to think about. I couldn't sleep last night. I finished Return of the King at like 3 a.m. last night. Not a bad way to like fix your insomnia, just watch him Return of the King. Uh, before we get to it, like Big Mike, the reason we brought you on for this podcast, for this draft, I want you to just talk about your expertise when it comes to J.R.R. Tolkien's world and what's going on in Middle Earth. What's your relationship with Lord of the Rings? Um, I have a deep and personal relationship with Tolkien. Intimate? Um, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Too far. Um, but yeah, does the, I mean, he's the modern, I mean, he's the all modern fantasies influenced by his work. Um, and you can easily see it. Everyone tries to be different, like Game of Thrones, where everybody's a great character. What's interesting is he was, he had characters that were pure evil and pure good and some gray, but it's a little bit different than like You're a lot. Like like everybody wants to have like, I know this is a fantasy. So, um, but like the Tony Sopranos, the Walter Whites, and then take it into fantasy. You have like, um, let me see, just a, tons of Game of Thrones characters um, where they add color to maybe show that they're not all bad or they're not all good. Um, it's a little bit interesting seeing how his work has stood the test of time when it comes to that. And it's still so, popular and still um, influential when it's really has pure um, rays of light and then shadows of darkness. <laughs> yeah. Literally like the light and dark imagery in this move in this trilogy and even going into the Hobbit, it's like so obvious, uh, but it makes like, I just enjoy going on this journey, this odyssey, like literally through three movies. Uh, you could tell they were all filmed at the same time. It's just it's they weave seamlessly together. The tone does not change. The light and dark that you you're talking about remains the same. Uh, you've mentioned Lord of the Rings, what it means to like this fantasy realm. I just have I just my my brain's churning right now. I watch Dune pretty much once a month at this point, as long as it's streaming on HBO Max. Does what Tolkien did with like the fantasy realm kind of equate? to the Dune novel and what that means and its influence on like the sci-fi realm? Is that kind of comparable? I think it's even bigger than that. It's kind of like, I mean, fantasy, I kind of died as a genre. Um, it really um, had kind of stalled. Like if you look at all of the earliest 20th century, um, that's actually when like Pulp Fiction was becoming popular. Um, you have all those 1920s writers like uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald. You have writers writing about realistic, very realist um, novels like Hemingway. Um, I forgot the name of his book, but um, 
it was about World War One. Um, you would know. You're the history teacher. You know, I'm from Hemingway. Are you thinking um, of Vonnegut? No, 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 no. no sorry. No. But again, Vonnegut's another example. Like it's actually kind of similar to today. Like it was very realist. A lot of like um, all the horror that was going on in the world. And Tolkien brought back like he was influenced by like these Arthurian legends that were so popular. And then he brought it back to a modern audience. And so, and it was, he's actually, um, one way he wrote Lord of the Rings is he was actually very, he was a linguist. He knew tons of languages. Like he knew old Scandinavian languages, old English. Um, he, he was an expert in modern and middle, um, middle age, medieval languages. And he was also a devout Catholic, but he was totally um, obsessed with the Viking mythology. And so one way he wrote Lord of the Rings is he found a way to put the Viking mythology into his um, religion. And it's actually very evident in a lot of the works. And there's a lot of themes. Um, uh, just uh, the fact that Gandalf is, uh, he dies and is risen again. Um, just there's a lot of themes that echo um, Return of the King. It, uh, that's pretty obvious. It's Return of Christ. Like there's a lot of themes. Frodo having to carry this burden on Mount Doom, carrying the rain, like Jesus carrying the cross. So it's and the fact he uses these three characters is like the Trinity in Catholicism. So it's kind of interesting that he was able to take all these older themes and then bring it to the 20th century, and now it's even influential in the 21st century. Jesus Christ, Mike, what do you memorize the Wikipedia pages of one J.R. <laughs> Tolkien? You want to take it easy? You know me and Ricky Flicks haven't read a book in about a decade. Jesus. Uh, you, make so, you make so many great points there. I don't even know where to start. Like, I think like you talk about the intricacies, like as storytelling is kind of developed, you brought up like pulp fiction and like the way stories are told. People almost got bored of like the straight up story, like a Lord of the Rings, like the good versus evil. People felt like they had to spice it up a little bit, right? Like these anti-heroes you talk about. But even within this world, there's so many de details and intricacies of this story. Um, it's just impressive. I'm like, J.R. Tolkien, what he built, the languages that he develops and what you're talking about inspired. I've always admired what he's done along with George R.R. R. Martin. Like that kind of devotion to me is just banana lands. Like it just takes so much of your time to develop a made up language, but also have it make sense to audiences. I, like you, you just said it beautifully. I just oh, say that was amazing. He, he actually, he was such a good linguist that he, such an expert. And he, I believe he was a professor of not just history, but also lingu linguistics at Oxford. Uh, it could be Cambridge. I get mixed up. So don't quote me on it, but um, one of those prestigious universities in England. And he, wrote specifically to make Elvish a functioning language based off old uh, medieval English and uh, Scandinavian languages. So like he actually, it is a functioning language that you can study at universities now. <laughs> I'm always, I'm also always impressed when you have like actors that are able to say this language and like act yeah. like they know what they're talking about. Like Orlando Bloom, I know people give him a lot of crap for his acting ability, but if you're able to sell me on this Elvish language, like the way he does and the way he interacts with Aragorn, it's just thoroughly impressive. Uh, Ricky Flex, I want to know your relationship with Lord of the Rings. Uh, 
have you scoured the Wikipedia pages? It seems like Michael's done way more research than that, and he's probably written three or four essays debate, <laughs> judging by his answers Some so fanfic. Far. Some college <laughs> He's going to be a team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Some fanfic from Michael. Uh, so I think, Mike, first of all, consider making your own world, right? <laughs> like the next – I, like almost like the next Tolkien, the next George R. R. Martin, the next J.K. Rowling. Just get something going, Mike. I can you're destined for greatness in that regard. But Ricky Flex, what's your relationship to Lord of the Rings? I was gonna say you should probably teach a class about J.R. Tolkien. <laughs> Jesus, um, <laughs> professor. Yeah, no, I can't say the same. <laughs> um, <laughs> try, yeah, try and follow that one, buddy. <laughs> I remember. Uh, so, Return of the King comes out. It's in movie theaters. And I'm pretty sure it came out in December or sometime. I forget. I forget actually when it did come out, but I'm pretty sure. I remember I go went to the movie theaters with our older sister, and Jamie uh, looked that up. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, Return of the King! I want to go see that." And she goes, "Like, oh, you're not going again." Like, I I don't even know how old I was, but definitely not allowed to. And I remember being transfixed. I like, oh, Return of the King, Return of the King. And I think it was because I originally, when I see Lord of the Rings, I don't think of the actual trilogy. I think of the animated Lord oh, of the yeah. Rings that we classic renting from the library, baby. The public <laughs> library always had it on deck. Exactly. Yeah. So that's how I got involved with it at the start. And then I remember I saw Fellowship and I got this video game for Christmas with the sword. I don't know if you guys remember. And then, like, it's like the motion sensor with the yeah. on the TV. So it's like, yeah. it like, was like, it was like the early, like, um, PlayStation before, move <laughs> before, like, we before, yeah. like, we came out and terrible technology. But, like, the scene in Fellowship where, like, the octopus creature, like, outside of uh, the dwarf area, Masera, whatever the heck it's called, and Michael. you're just swinging <laughs> the sword against the TV, and that was like the hardest level, and even though it wasn't even the last level, you're just swinging a sword because the sensor can't pick it up. It's like 10 minutes in. That was early PlayStation days. Like, that was that might have not even been PlayStation 2. It wasn't that even been the original. Oh, it was, it just, a, it was just the Lord of the Rings like It was a console. separate thing. I'll have to find it and like tweet it out for everybody. But that yeah. is a different time. But that's my original relationship to Lord of the Rings. And yes, I don't know the wiki or any fanfic over there, but I love this. I do love this trilogy. This was a fun watch, even though I am exhausted. I might ramble on from time to time. I, I might start falling asleep, but you know what? I'm going to be so engaged listening to Big Mike talk about Tolkien, Lord of the Rings theories about Ring, Ring of Power and whatnot. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this pod. Yeah, I felt like for a second, Mike just transcended. And he, it was like almost like Galadriel, like Kate Blanchett, just going on a like a like a soliloquy, talking nonsense that I don't understand, but I'm just transfixed at, on the person speaking at that time. That's how I felt right there. I also want to say, I initially, when I saw the original Lord of the Rings, we watched with our cousins, with Fellowship and the Two Towers. <laughs> Remember mid- Palmer? He, he paused it when they blow up the top. He's like, look at this guy. Look how much air he got. And then they rewound. And I wanted to like that movie at that point because our cousin liked it so much. But he was a little bit older than us. He was a teenager. So when I watched it the first time, I wasn't exactly buying in. Like Big Mike seems like he was all in from the moment he saw it. If you haven't, if you don't believe me, just like rewind the podcast about three minutes. Um 
I do want to say over time, I've grown such an appreciation for this trilogy. I think it's the most successful trilogy ever made. Uh, I don't think it's for a younger audience. It can become boring, but for, I think you grow an appreciation for it as you get older. Uh, as you said, like the, the filmmaking and the details that go into this story being made, how fluidly it flows from fellowship all the way to the end of return of the King. And even the cinematography where it's shot, I believe it was New Zealand, right? Big Mike, New, Ze New Zealand, where they're doing all this. Yep. Yeah, beautiful. You hear about the grueling shoot that it was, the amazing ensemble that accompanies Lord of the Rings, uh, whether it be Ian McKellen, right? Viggo Mortensen in, breakout, in a breakout type of role. Cate uh, Blanchett, like Liv Tyler, like the names go on and on. Orlando Bloom, right? The introduction of Elijah Wood. It's Christopher Lee. I could just keep on naming these guys. And you just say, this was truly an achievement. And literally when I watch this, any one of these movies could have won Best Picture. I truly believe that. And it was just, it almost is like how Ricky Flex always has this take about Dune, where it's like, okay, wait till Dune Part 2, where people truly grow an appreciation for this franchise or this building franchise, culmination of the story, then reward it. That's exactly what was done with uh, Return of the King. You want to talk about inspirations there, or I guess like um, comparisons. So before we get to the draft, we were initially just going to do Lord of the Rings characters, but... Big Mike throws a wrench in all of this, right? And what is that wrench? We have categories now. And now my brain is in a pretzel. Let's introduce the categories to the audience. We have our first category to be drafted. We have fellowship member, all right? So you got to pick a character that's a part of the original fellowship from the first movie. You have to pick a villain from either Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit. We got to mention The Hobbit is a part of this conversation and draft. Our third category, you got to pick a movie from either Lord of the Rings original trilogy or The Hobbit's trilogy. I dare you to take a Hobbit movie. Number four category, you have to take a Hobbit. All right, you got to take a Hobbit. It's play such a central role in the story. The underdogs, we come from a short family, right? We'll just excuse Ricky Flicks from this conversation. But yeah, beat me and Big Mike. We got to show respect with the category to the Hobbits. And then finally, you got to pick a supporting character that's remaining outside the fellowship. Any questions on the categories, Ricky Flicks, before we get going? Yeah. So, like, supporting character cannot, has to be outside the fellowship, but it can't be like a supporting villain either. Okay. Uh, right or no. Because uh, there's I a lot of small villains, like small minor role villains that are awesome in this trilogy. Or I guess six movies. You want to so I think out. I know who you're talking about. I think there's that person plays as either. You can have, I think, a villain that also is a supporting character. There's a specific character. I think we're all thinking of this person that could be labeled as a villain, but at the same time could be a supporting character. Depends what side of the bed that he wakes up on, to be honest. Okay. If we're thinking of the same guy. I don't think, I think, I know who you're thinking of. I was thinking of other people, but. Okay. okay. Oh, so you're thinking of maybe like minor actions where. Supporting be... characters, like really supporting. I think we'll That's just get. how we, doing we'll, the category. Yeah, I think there are some also characters that become possessed by the ring that aren't natural villains, but they act like in a villainous mm. way for a short portion of the movie. That's not a villain, right? We're yes. talking about I'm someone that has a long-standing antagonistic type of role, hero versus villain right story uh storyline there all right uh big mike any comments before we start let's do it all right ricky flex so it begins uh ricky flex has the spinner with all three names all right 
for this draft. Ricky Flex is going to spin, and then we're going to determine the draft order by who the spinner lands on first. So, Ricky Flex, you are spinning. He is presenting. You see it on your YouTube right now, hopefully. Oh, it's like stop. All right. What's oh. going on? Is that me? Yes, it is. Okay. I will be going second in this draft. Dr. O is going second in this draft. Uh, it's now down to Ricky Flicks and Big Mike for the first and third pick. To the guest. All right. Big Mike, you get to choose. Are you drafting first or third? I'll go third. Wow. I am shocked by that. I was anticipating differently. So that gives Ricky Flicks the number one overall pick in this draft. Uh, let's get going. Ricky Flicks, you have the five categories. You're officially on the clock. We got a wrench in the plans here. We're kind of helter-skelter right now. We're running like chickens with our heads cuts off, cut off. Big Mike is supremely confident. Look at him right now. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> like He's like, I don't want to tease any characters. I'm going to do a comparison, but I won't. Ricky Flicks on the clock. What do you got? Category throws a wrench in my in my plans. Hundo P throws a wrench. Before if it was a character draft, I wanted the number one pick so bad. Michael chose now violence. It's like, today. Now it's like oh, like one fellowship. Like you're gonna get one of the yeah, you're gonna get one of them. You're gonna get one Hobbit. Like you're also gonna get one of the movies. I I'm in flux. I did not want the first pick. <laughs> I, I know what I would do. Do I go best? available right do i go bill parcells as always pick the best player available or do i go you know what take a limited category and i'm gonna do limited category this might be a hot take but i think the villains in lord of the rings aren't necessarily like all time fool of a took that's and ridiculous i think there's one that i will take because i want him over everyone else, and that's Gollum. Wow. Okay. I don't want any of these other villains. I'm going to take Gollum with the first pick. Sounds terrible to say out loud because he's not nearly that value, but I don't view and the so villains as highly here. <laughs> Thoughts? So, Mike, where do you have Gollum in your, like, rankings of, like, favorite characters? Just put aside, like, the categories. Where does Gollum lie? Personally, I'm not a huge fan of Gollum, but I guess he's a complex kind of character. So overall, mm -hmm. objectively speaking, he's a good character. So yeah. I, I would, uh, looking at it from that angle, he's probably, because Lord of the Rings lacks so many like sympathetic villains, he's probably the one villain that's actually not pure evil. Like, he was good at one point. Comes corrupted by the ring, kills his best friend. Like it's, and then he longs for the ring. He always wants to come back. I would put him top three because, like, he does help Frodo and Sam, and then he come. Then he ultimately goes back and goes to his death. But it's just like a very complicated character, not this pure villain. That's what I wanted to get to. I'm like, it's a, yeah. does this character truly belong in the villain category? I say it does. Yeah. Uh, he does, like, he is acting against the ideals at points, I guess, half the time, literally, when he is with Frodo 
and Sam Wise, all right? Sorry, teasing a pick, whatever. We got to talk about those two if we're bringing up Gollum. Everybody and, knows who they are. <laughs> and Gollum's origin is just naturally evil. And we've seen people that have been become possessed by the ring, but not to the point of Gollum. Like Gollum, I think also, I think this is a good pick for the villain because I, I agree with you. It's not that I think there are there is three that I targeted. I think there are good villains in this story and that all have like their you they bring a unique, I guess, flavor to Lord of the Rings. You know what I thought of when I was rewatching this? I think this is like an early take on like mental health. Like I think when mental health themes were not a big part in movies, like he clearly suffers from schizophrenia. You know, like he, he oh, yes, and at that same time, like this movie comes out in 2000. Oh, well, so first appearance of Two Towers, 2002. What movie also debuts that year and has a very famous villain played by a famous actor, Spider Man, right? And we have Green Goblin, Willem Dafoe. I kept, I kept finding myself comparing that villainous role to what Norman Osborn was in Spider Man. Do you ever make that comparison, Big Mike? No, but I never crossed my mind, but that makes sense. Like, How about you, Flex? Oh, sorry. Did I cut you off, Mike? No. No, but <laughs> no, but I love it. It makes sense. I think Andy Serkis, what he did here is very similar to like Willem Dafoe and Green Goblin. I love that analogy. And I think just diving deeper on my comments with the villains here, I'm not saying the villains are bad, but like compared to the other categories, it's just not as strong. Like the fellowship top. So we're each going to get a fellowship. So a top three fellowship, you're automatically going to get. I'm comfortable having any of those top three because I feel like I'd rather take a villain here that I feel comfortable getting versus if you both take a villain, it's like, all right, my two and three are pretty weak, I would say, versus my two or three fellowships. So, like, I would just say if we're power ranking the categories, this is my lowest power ranking. Early age of motion capture also I think is big with this. And one of the best motion capture actors we've ever had is Andy Serkis. And this is kind of like his debut in that type of realm. And this is where we first took him very seriously as an actor. And also Gollum is a strong enough character that he was oh, obviously like he was a part of the reason we got the Hobbit films made, I would say. Like, because you have to have some motivation for The Hobbit to be made. Yes, we have like a billion dollar franchise with the original Lord of the Rings, and we have an Oscar winning franchise with Lord of the Rings. There's a fan base that wants The Hobbit, but at the same time, you have to have some overlap with characters, and you need to have Andy Serkis as Gollum in The Hobbit. So I think this plays for a long term, like franchise spanning type of um, deal. All right. So I think that plays a big, big time role. Um, all right. So it's on to me. Number two pick. I'm going movie just because there's three. I want to get the one that I want. And this is going to be interesting because I don't, I am not going to pick Return of the King. After watching it, I'm actually going to go Fellowship of the Ring as the best movie in this franchise. And it's going to be the number two overall pick. I love the exploration of the Shire in the beginning. I think it's an electric opening. I love Gandalf's interactions with the hobbits themselves. I love the moment that we go. I think it's Elderon. Where, where are the elves, Mike? Rivendell. Rivendell. Yeah, that was it. Sorry. You're, you're getting confused with Elrond. Elrond, right. Hugo Weaving character. Yeah. Right. Rivendell. When they 
come for the first time. You have Frodo and Sam questioning, like, what are we doing here? Let's go back to the Shire. And then you have, like, that Avengers circling type of moment where you see Legolas for the first time. We only know Aragorn as Strider at that point. Here comes Boromir. Gandalf's in the mix. And that's where you finally have that moment where they're all arguing, what do we do about this ring? And then Frodo's like, I will take it. I will take it. And at that point, like, I'm all in on that movie. You shall not pass moment. Merry and Pippin screwing everything up. And then the guys cleaning up their mess. I love the fellowship. I know it doesn't bring everything together at the end, right? But I think they ended it on pretty good terms. And it's a good way to continue the story. And it lends to the next movie where Frodo and Sam are on their way. They fit, they find Gollum. And then it kind of the, the men go their separate ways following the fellowship. So I'm going fellowship of the ring. Hot take, I know. It doesn't have the huge battle sequence either, but that's my movie. That's right. uh, just to jump in real quick. I would not have picked Fellowship because, like, when you think Lord of the Wings, you're thinking the quest and battle sequences mm-hmm. are uh, huge battles. That's always for me. And yes, like, this one doesn't have that. And I wouldn't have picked it because it doesn't have those. But I do, I still like, don't blame you for saying that's your favorite because, again, it's, it's the first one, right? You always have like an emotional attachment to the first one. And that Avengers moment, it's like, again, 13 months from when they first started the fellowship to the end of return of the King. And that's the only time until the very end, they're all together. So like when the the band's all together for the first time, there's a different feel to it. And there's characters that are alive that aren't alive at the end that are together at that point as well. And it's just a different feel. And I totally understand why you, that is your favorite personally, not mine, but I think it's still a good pick. That actually has grown on me as I've gotten older. And one is the acting. It's a traditional movie in that it's like, it's not reliant on action. Yes, uh, I was going to mention this. relying on acting and interactions. And you actually, from the first scene, you believe Frodo and Gandalf are like best friends that have known each other for years. And then Bilbo. you see, yeah. And it's actually, that movie was extremely important because believe it or not, these films are so well-respected now. Back when they were filming them, even when they first announced they were making them, there was a huge backlash, kind of like Rings of Power is facing. People are like, oh, you can't do it justice. These movies are unfilmable. It's too much. It's going to be a disaster. So that, it really had to set the stage. And what's key is that they got, they spent time in the Shire, but they spent it to get it right. And that's because the Shire is actually, it represented Tolkien's ideal society. His whole- The utopia. um, Yeah, he he wanted England to go back to its farm kind of agricultural roots. And the orcs actually represented a little bit of like the industrialization that England had gone through. And how um, he was really against allegory, but a lot of people saw similarities with how uh, the machine for war was being built with um, the orcs and Tolkien was a World War One vet. He fought in the trenches, actually did, um, saw people die from mustard gas. And then also, it, it, remember, First Hobbit came out right before 1939 and 1938. Nazi Germany was rising. So he, all in all, going back to my main point, is like he wanted the Shire was really his, his purity of these books. And the fact that they got it right off the bat gave confidence to also the people that were doubting Jackson and the and that whole 
making of these films and they got they knew that they were in the right hands and that the tone was perfect a couple excellent points there big mike i want to go to something you earlier you said earlier regarding the reliance on action sequences i feel like after the ending of the two towers people were looking at return of the king and then you hear that line at the end of the two towers where he says battle of helm the gandalf says the battle at helm's deep is over right now it's time for the battle of middle earth and we're like battle of middle earth let's go you know it's just like what's gonna happen how are they gonna outdo this it almost feels like to do another historical comparison and tolkien grew up early 20 i mean was around early 20th century the fellowship of the ring feels like like Pre-World War One, the offense that set the war in motion. And it feels like like there's so many references, like consequences of war. That's a huge part of like Lord of the Rings. I just feel like this one does a great job bringing you into this world. All right. These different kingdoms. And uh, I, I just think it did a great job setting up what we're going to see for the foreseeable future. And I think you're right. The tone nails it. The tone nails it. And it has you hooked. Uh, you feel like after you finish Fellowship, you just got to go to the next movie, right? You just got to keep going. Yeah. It's a natural progression if you just keep watching because you could just have a nine-hour watch, no credits, go. You know, it picks up right where the last one left off. People are like argue, obviously, the slow pace of Lord of the Rings, but it's a long odyssey. It's a long journey that you're going through. And the audience, if you buy in, it's such an incredible experience. So with that being said, Mike, uh, Big Mike, we're on to your first-round pick, third overall. All right, so just want to do one more fact about the fellowship. Um, fun fact, the book actually ends before the last scenes in the fellowship. It begins with Boromir's death. And the, mm. the two towers, that's how the book begins. I like the ending, though, with yeah. Boromir's death. I, like I think change. that actually yeah, better. it was a little change. bit. Jackson did make a few changes, and that was one of them. But a little Hollywood asking. Very well. Um, so I'm going to go with a hobbit. And Whoa. I am going to go with Samwise Gamgee. Wow. And I will tell you why. Not just because I love Rudy, but also uh, <laughs> um, Sam is really, he sh is one character that is like, I don't want to say mortal because they all are mortal, um, but he doesn't have anything special about him. He's just a regular guy. <laughs> trying to help his friend <laughs> and like the fact that he was able to take the ring and not be corrupted by it shows he is actually the purest out of everyone in all every film in fact gandalf even didn't want to take the ring and um sam was able to give it back to frodo no questions asked shows like how loyal a character this was and it plays into my earlier point at the beginning of the podcast how influential these movies are and these books are Sam in Game of Thrones is named after Samwise Gamgee because that's George R.R. Martin's favorite character in Lord of the Rings because of how influential that character is and you can see the similarities are evident it's very obvious when you look at Sam and then Sam <laughs> you know Samwise is like you can see like he George built the whole model for sam in game of thrones after him so um yeah and i think um he's just yeah i think he gets slept on a lot in terms of um diehard fans know his importance but i think the general audience doesn't realize how important character he is i'll be a general audience member here sam 
saved me, like just my on this latest rewatch, how annoying Frodo <laughs> sometimes is. Sam like balances me out, and He's a voice I really, I really like that because Frodo Elijah Wood, his tone of voice sometimes just gets to me. And Sam, Sean Aston, sometimes like him just getting agitated. It's like, that's how I feel, but in a different way. So I really appreciate that. And then the other thing I would say is that throughout the two towers and return of the King, Gollum always is like fat hobbit, fat hobbit. And every time I feel terrible and spill the crumbs on him, spill the crumbs on him. You ate the bread, <laughs> fat hobbit. And I felt so bad. Fat shaming. And I, I was just like, man, but also like, I feel bad for Sean Astin because if this was a normal trilogy, you're not filming for over a year, three movies in a row. You can get in shape as like Sean Astin outside. You can get in shape and not get fat shame, but it actually played a part in the story. So I, I just always felt bad. I always think of that watching these movies, especially on this rewatch. He's not only the most likable character in the history of Lord of the Rings. He might be the most likable character in the history of movies. I'm not even kidding. Like he, I want to be like Sam, so selfless and yeah. probably the best friend that anyone could ever have. And you're right. Like the best parts of like the sequels where you look at when we get outside the fellowship, everyone gets split up. I don't look forward to those Frodo scenes as much. And you know, Gollum's very unpredictable, but Sam is that steady rock where like I watch him and I'm just, he's the reason I'm truly enjoying those scenes. Yeah. And he is the most emotional aspect of this movie. It's not when Aragorn returns the Gondor for me. It's not even the end. It's, well, it could be actually the end when the hobbits are finally like accepted and they go to Gondor to greet Aragorn after all of that's happened. But like Sam just like makes me want to cry. He's so nice. He's I truly unrelenting, unrelenting optimism. You could clearly see he's the heart of Lord of the Rings. The casting he is, is, he is perfect. The, he's the viewer. He's like, you have this hope, like things are gonna work out, everything will be okay. Simple of hope. Reader. He's that reader's perspective. He's the viewer's perspective. Like everything's gonna end up being okay. Like that moment where I think it's either beginning Return of the King or End of the Two Towers. It's Frodo and Sam walking with Gollum, and Sam says, "Frodo, I wonder if they're gonna be like telling stories about us, about yep. this journey, and things right. like that." End and then the Frodo's like, and his like. Like he's bashing his eyes, like he's like bashful, like the uh, one of the twelve dwarfs. He's like, I wonder what they're gonna say about the brave Sam and things like that. And I'm just like, Sam oh man, brave. like like that bromance there is just like that's what makes those scenes so watchable. Um, yeah, Ricky. Oh, 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 I also was gonna say, like one of the moments also, like small little moment that like has me also emotional. He's like talking about the food. He's like, we'll have just enough. And the photo's right. like, for what? And you're like, for the way home. And I'm like, that God damn great. it. Exactly. Like, I'm, I'm getting choked exactly. and I'm thinking about it. Like, I want to have that optimism in my but life then, that Sam does. Literally, but, the, yeah, go ahead. But then in Return of the King, when the lava's coming down after the ring goes, he goes, I don't think we're making it home. The first time he's like not optimistic. And then it, it's mm. like, oh, man, that also is hitting you, but in a different way. Um, but then if he died at the said, end, I swear to God. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> no, but uh, another part I was just going to say, I feel bad for Sam is like, when the ring goes down, like Sauron, the tower falls and everything, Return of the King, spoiler alert. But <laughs> everyone's like in the battles, like Jeez. Frodo, Frodo. I'm like, bro, Frodo almost cost us. 
He almost costs it the final stage. It's like Ilsador. He almost <laughs> Sam wins unsung hero. If Gollum wasn't there, yes. if Gollum wasn't there, the ring would probably still like Sauron wins. Oh, I, I, Frodo I, folds like origami I, in that. I want right? to say one thing about that scene, Ricky. That it's one thing that's like unintentionally hilarious <laughs> is when they're chanting Frodo, and then you can see the next he's like. Bro, they like cry the next <laughs> yeah time. right because they realize oh shit he's dead <laughs> <laughs> he's and like, then gandalf's like yo eagles help me out once again <laughs> all right we got to keep moving with the draft we got sucked into sam talk personally he's the top three he's top three character for me like i had him i had him at number three number one hobbit easily but mike uh mike lead us in the second round fourth overall go ahead all right i'm going back with another heavyweight pick Fellowship. I'm going Aragorn. <laughs> Damn. So, uh, yeah, I mean, enough said. I mean, Viggo Mortensen <laughs> stopped acting after this, besides Hidalgo. Like, I mean, like, his career was made. I mean, it shows how great a performance he gave. But, like, he really was um, – he actually was a bit more pure version of Aragorn than in the books. In the books, Aragorn is actually kind of arrogant the name <laughs> but uh true um he's actually a little bit arrogant he's he knows he's the king but like he's not as humble but like just the the just the character arc from him as strider to becoming that leader to eventually being becoming the king and like when they first introduce him him in the in the and the pub it's kind of like the western in the saloon Mm -hmm. the badass like who the hell is this guy this stranger from out of town it's like this dude is like the most badass person you're ever gonna meet and then like him leading the army um at the end too just he's willing to sacrifice his life just to give frodo a little bit more time um at, at the gates of mordor just so they can accomplish their mission even though if he knows it's basically certain death he could have called it quits after winning the battle of the peldor fields outside gondor's gate uh, but no, he's like, our mission isn't accomplished. We need to help Frodo. And he even says that at, at, right before they charge, he whispers for Frodo, like, like Steve Rogers, no offense. This is <laughs> like, this is such a huge moment. And then, Middle Earth's ass. This isn't like Avengers Assemble. This is like the fate of the world. I mean, like it's, uh, but, uh, and then at the end, when they're at Gondor, he's like, my friends, you bow to no one. That humbleness that just shows like, how great a leader he's become and yeah uh, but then there's all the other obvious answers I'm, I'm sure most people would have picked Aragorn but that, that's what separates him and the fellowship compared to everybody else is his leadership honestly yeah. everyone seems to be kind of in it for themselves you got Gimli versus Legolas at one point Boromir just wants to make Gondor great using the ring to do so Gandalf is kind of in and out with everybody you kind of don't know how to read him in the initial fellowship of the ring like an Aragorn kind of brings the team together. He is a true leader. He is the true, he's the true he, the heir to Gondor. Like he is the king. Like he is going to bring everyone together, right? Um, I do want to say also tracking abilities, right? Putting his ear to the ground, being able to use detective skills to like say this happened here and how long ago. It reminded me of Pattinson's Batman. I, but as I was watching oh, yeah. it again, I'm like, he is like, he is just knows everything about what's happened and didn't, it doesn't matter when it happened as long as there is a whiff of a scent. Uh, also, the girls like go crazy for him. 
right? But you know, but he's also the loyal dude, and he's he's just like I am devoted to Arwen, right? Like that's his girl, no matter what. Uh, he's the goat, dude. He was easily my number one character. Um, yeah, Ricky, what's yours, Ricky? He wasn't. Wow! Oh. Wow! He wasn't. I, th- I thought he was easily. So I think he's the best character in Lord of the Rings. Arc is crazy. But would I have picked him as my number one Lord of the Rings character? No. And I'll explain whenever I pick. I Ooh, that's just because you guys have you guys have always you guys just yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with Aragorn. So I'm gonna go off the beaten path here. Here you go, Mortensen. 64, 63-ish. Been nominated for three Oscars, all after Lord of the Rings. He's one Ooh. of the guys I think he's gonna get an Oscar at some point. That's a hot take. Yeah, you know, you're right. I Green think he book. gets one. And Captain Fantastic two years before that. Um that's a deep cut. Uh, I don't know that movie. I think he hasn't been off. You think he's been offered like a superhero role in like Marvel or something? Like we gotta get Aragorn like in this, you know? I don't I don't want him to. Like he's right, but you, I'm just asking, like, do you think like they've thought about that? Like, I mean, huge franchise, the Lord of the Rings, bring him I back for, like the has. next biggest franchise, like 20 years later. Yeah, I bet Marvel has, but I, I, I really think Viggo Mortensen, he's like, so he's probably the, one of the most underrated actors that no one ever talks about. And again, Lord of the Rings was so long ago, so it's like, oh, and now he's doing movies like Crimes of the Future and Thirteen Lives that are just snuck under the radar. I think one of these days he's going to get an Oscar because he's so talented. And I think Lord of the Rings, like, yeah, this is before his like Oscar nominee run. Um, and also he was a, like a stud before Lord of the Rings too. I'm, I'm not trying to say he wasn't, but I think this just put him on another pedestal. Now it's like, like Mike, you like mentioned how like he kind of is like, uh, he is under the radar, but it's like, Hey, like this guy probably will get an, I, I think he will get an Oscar someday. So I think like just to spin this conversation a little bit, that's kind of like my hot take coming out of this podcast. Hmm. That, that's uh, that's something, you know, as long as he's keeping up his work. I don't know if he's going to be doing that because, like, obviously, Big Mike talked about, like, he took that long hiatus after uh, Lord of the Rings. But that kind of makes sense because that was such a grueling shoot, you know. And then, like, look at, like, what Orlando Bloom done with, did with his career afterwards. He's going to blockbuster after blockbuster after that. It doesn't seem like Beagle Mortensen takes that route, even though it seems like he could have, you know. All right. On to me. I feel like the fellowship member is deep. You could pick like up to right. like, five different characters there. Villain. I might go there next. Movie I got. Hobbit. I don't want to take the next person here. I think it's also kind of a short list because there's few like hobbits that really stick with you. And no one really compares to Sam. Like Sam is the guy. And Mike already took it, obviously. That might have been a great first-round pick. I kind of regret that I didn't do that. If I take a supporting character, does he, he has to be outside of the Fellowship? Um, yeah. Unless I, there's one, I think, you'd be allowed a, to take. I think there's, like, three you could take that are outside the Fellowship, that are in the Fellowship that could count as kind three. of supporting. Yeah. All right. I feel like I'm not going to say them, but I think I they're like obvious. A, I feel like a supporting character shouldn't be in the Fellowship. I do feel like that, but there's because like there's a category you, for the fellowship. Yeah, there's like three you can make a point, you can make a argument for. Yeah, let's just keep it simple. Yeah, I'm going. I'm gonna go member. I don't like. This is easily my number two. I think there's two 
the, there's two of the best characters. I mentioned Samwise Gamgee, who's our number three favorite character. I'm going Gandalf. You got it. Yeah. Like you, cool. I have no, you have no choice. I'm not letting this slip to Ricky Flex. I know the Fellowship. I could, I have like two other guys who are going neck and neck for like four A, four B for my favorite character. Ricky Flex will have to choose between those two eventually, if he's going to go with those two. But I think you took one of his. Look at his reaction. So, the question becomes. Do we count Gandalf the Grey and Gandalf the White as two different people? Darn, I was going to try to spin Gandalf the White's outside the Fellowship. So <laughs> that's a good point. That I mean, like, that you can't. I can't. Oof. No, Gandalf's one yeah. person. We can't do that. Because, like, I would like, do I take he's not a, is he a supporting character? Like, Gandalf the White, do I take him as a supporting character? He's but I'm just, I think Gandalf fellowship. is just Fellowship. Yeah. Gandalf's just Fellowship. And yeah. I love Gandalf. Because, like, his natural comparison with so many people is Dumbledore. Like, same time, same older actors that are, like, attacking that type of role. And we, we got, like, this myth, not this um, fantastical type of franchise here. But, like, Gandalf is kind of, like, smug sometimes. He's funny. And <laughs> the transformation into, right, from the Fellowship to Gandalf the White is so glorious two towers like that moment is like literally top five favorite moments in the history of movies battle of helms deep when he is riding right down the hill right taking on the orcs easily one of the best moments the you shall not pass right moment from fellowship is one of the most iconic movie lines in the history of movies uh i love that you talked about his relationship with frodo right he is there from the start and he's there at the end. Yes, he takes a little hiatus in the uh, beginning of Two Towers. But the movie picks up when Gandalf comes back. You could not have an entire movie without Gandalf because he means too much to everyone, all the characters, and the audience. And he is the wizard that everyone counts on when the power of man, of elf, of uh, dwarf cannot achieve something. And he just oozes swag when he's Gandalf the White. I love when he comes back as Gandalf the White. He's like, oh, Gandalf. I am not Gandalf. I am Gandalf the White. Like, as if, like, Gandalf the Grey was just some schmuck, you know? No, yeah, like, he goes, like, Gandalf the Grey. Ah, yes, that's what they used to call me. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, <laughs> this is why we have Mike on the pod here. But I thought Gan I thought it was 1A, 1B. But honestly, I would have gone Aragorn. Gandalf's usually the next one on the board. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then it's kind of funny because, like, Gandalf, I mean, like, he was smoking the halfling's leaf all the time. Oh, and yeah. Gandalf the Grey. He's like, buzzing. He, went, he was kind of, like, just doing cheap parlor tricks, like, hanging out with his buds, doing fireworks and stuff. It's then he he actually has, like, this sacrifice against the Balrog. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, has that, of course, epic moment. Um, and then... It basically when he yell, he tells him, "Run, you fools!" It's like, don't make, don't waste this. Like, as he, I, as he like quote unquote falls to his death. You know, he's that's like yeah. he has some sly comedy to him. That's so goddamn funny. Yeah, and then he like he just transforms into like he says like. So I was mentioning about how this is like Tolkien reconciling his Catholicism and Viking mythology. In Lord of the Rings, there is one God, and he's the one that sent. So in the wizards, they are actually celestial like beings. They're like angels. And he's sent, he tells Gandalf, your business isn't finished. And he sends him back as Gandalf the White, kind of like Christ, you know? So yeah. there's that, that parallel. And then 
you can just see how he's transformed into just like a this wisdom figure. Like he says one of the best lines I think I've ever heard. And it's directly from the books. When I think it's uh, it's Mary, is it? No, it's Pippin. It's no, sorry, Pippin's with Eowyn. Uh, it's Mary at, in Gondor at Return of the King at the battle at the you know there he's he's like saying I'm scared to die and then Gandalf is like very calmly just says like death is just a journey, uh, another path on this journey, one we all must take. So it's religious, bro. It, so biblical. Like, I know it's just like what a fucking line. <laughs> like yeah, it's like it's like it. You're gonna die someday. Might as well be for a cause, but it's gonna be okay. Hundred percent. That's great. His, amazing. Yeah. I will also say, again, this isn't related to the pick. Just rewatching these movies, that I had, I I think rewatching them, they did a terrible job actually, like explaining how he came back. I, I did it. It was that was not clear at all. It's when a he, lot of when he tells uh, the story. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, but you like have to it, be listening. Even with the subtitles on, it didn't make sense. No, no, no one's like listening to that full story. Right. You just accept yeah. the fact he's a freaking like, wizard. He's back, baby. Exactly. You know? That's he, a lot. It, it was like Harry Potter coming back at Deathly Hollows Part Two. Right. You know, it's like that's like once exactly. again another parallel to a different franchise. But yeah, but I, what I was gonna say is like Lord of the Rings. You just accept it, you know, and it's okay. And I think that's fine with this trilogy because it's so good. It's so put together and such a spectacle. And again, Gandalf was my number one. And I think you guys all hit it. Everything revolves around him. And I, you can make the case for Aragorn, but it's really Gandalf. He's putting the pieces together. He's the mastermind behind everything. And I think Ian McKellen is the heart and soul of Lord of the Rings. I think he is and not Aragorn and Viggo Mortensen. So that's why I, he was my number one. I think his performances throughout, not only in Lord of the Rings, but also The Hobbit, and just his performances throughout, I think he is actually the heart and soul of Lord of the Rings, and also the fan, uh, fantastical side of it as well, I think also draws an aspect of it. He was my number one. I was actually like, really, I, you got my hopes up, Doc. I thought I was going to grab it, steal it, and now I think you sealed that I'm going to lose this draft by a lot. I will be in firmly in third. He is the best performer in these movies. It seems like he, like, first of all, this whole yes. movie is amazingly cast. And I think he, you could not have picked someone more perfect for Gandalf, right? That calm composure that he has, that sly comedy where he is literally the funniest member of this movie, probably alongside Marion Pippin, right? He might be will, the funniest dude. I have one person that might have been able to put in a competing performance. But we can talk about that later. Let's when it comes up. In All right, stretch, and then obviously them up. Gollum's <laughs> in the mix there too because he's such yeah. an eccentric character. And right. I don't know if anyone could have pulled off the movements that Andy Serkis did in this movie. It just seemed like he became an animal, like for this, like truly. Yep. Um, there is someone else. I'm Michael. You're right. I'm thinking of the same person. Uh, I believe Ricky Flicks. You're up now to end the second round. Okay, so I'm 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 not doing well here. If I, I'm not doing well. Um. Yeah, I think you guys took all the least annoying. Like, oh, sorry. I'm thinking supporting characters and Hobbit. I'm going uh, two picks here. And I think for Hobbit, a lot of them just annoy me. They really do. Um, but there's a couple that don't. And then supporting characters that aren't in the Fellowship or a villain, right? I think if you look at the screen time, 
Okay, you could nitpick here. Um, I'm trying to look for someone that had some screen time, not too little, but again, obviously not too much because we're talking about supporting characters. So I'll first go supporting character because this will look funny on the graphic next to Gollum. I'll go Tree Bird. Uh, sorry, sorry, Tree Beard. Oh my God. And Vicky, then I was not expecting you to pick that. I can't then, tell if this is like the best pick of the draft or the worst pick, to be honest. Dude, that's <laughs> a deep cut. That's a deep cut. It is. I had it on my board, but I didn't know we were doing like all these different categories. Continue. And then my third pick, Hobbit. I'm going Martin Freeman's Bilbo, the oh, Hobbit. Classic. Oh, you had to yeah. define it? Show some respect. Rest in peace I will... to the Lord of the Rings, Bilbo. Wait, I, wait but I get Bilbo Rest no peace. matter what here. You said Lord of the Rings, Bilbo. What's his name, Dave? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know. So I think I think Ricky showed less respect by going the other character. But no, I guess okay, arguably, okay. I, yeah, I'm picking too. Bilbo in general, but I think Martin Freeman. I do like that uh, Bilbo. I Much really more likable. Yes, I really do like Martin Freeman's Bilbo. I think that was actually one of the lights uh, light spots in the Hobbit trilogy, um, and I like Martin Fantastic Freeman. Fantastic performance. Yeah. So it, those are my two picks. I think I think he did a great job. Um, I mean, Bilbo. That's I mean, he Martin Freeman. He was like, if you've read The Hobbit, it's like what you expect Bilbo. And also, Bilbo makes Frodo look like such a pussy. <laughs> like Bilbo's yes. fighting in yes, battles yes. and shit. He's like, I, oh, I'm gonna die. All right, well, let me go up against he this. He just guy. handles himself Fro- better. To be Frodo honest, Frodo is just like constantly worrying. <laughs> like Bilbo, like this guy's the badass here. <laughs> Yeah, Bilbo, Bilbo is just a much cooler character, more fun to actually watch on screen, and you weren't just constantly annoyed to listen to him speak, you know, 100%. Um, Treebeard, I had him. Honestly, like, it's cool how he contributes to the battle right at Helm's Deep afterwards, but I also think like he wasn't sold on helping out without Marion Pippin. Without Marion Pippin, he doesn't get involved. You know, he's kind of a right. pussy too. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I just, I just I, don't I think, think he was. He doesn't know better. He's no, like, he's, kinda... he doesn't understand the stakes of it. And like, he just didn't think it was a big deal if they didn't fight and they didn't know the potential he had. But in terms of a powerful, like, figure and a, like an X factor for the battle, totally like worthy pick. He had to see it to believe it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I and think he, one, they go as he goes too. I think one thing you have to, um, I think what Tolkien was trying to show is like, and the films in general, it's very easy to, to dismiss evil when it doesn't have an indirect impact on you. What makes him tide, turn the tide is not Marion Pippin. He sees all these trees that he, all these other ends that he knew. Dead. So it kind of shows like when That's there true. is evil in the world and you turn a blind eye to it, it will impact you in ways that you aren't even seeing because you turned a blind eye consequences so, of war it's a huge it's like so you cannot just stand and do nothing which is what Pimpet argues with him he's like you're part like david said you're part of this world like this is going to impact you and i think Treebeard is a great like example of just like the everyday people who say like oh it has no effect on me like actually if it's great enough it will and it will actually have a very deeply personal effect on you excellently said all right now we go Back to me, middle of the third round. I need a villain. I need a hobbit. And a supporting character. So, I'm going to save hobbit because you guys have both picked hobbits. 
I'm leaning villain right now. I'm looking at my supporting characters as well. Sorry, I'm taking too long. Um, you know what? This is going to be my only pick from The Hobbit. The villain. Going with Smog. I know. That's a great one. Smog. Smog, smog or my Smog? Number two. I have to. Smog or Smog? I said Smog. <laughs> smog. <laughs> I smog. I, first off, when I think of Smog, smog <laughs> I think of that video of Benedict Cumberbatch, motion capture, acting like an absolute lunatic. Right? Have you seen this, Michael? No, but the voice he did was so compelling. It was it, like so evil. It was it great. Was, he does the motion for the dragon. Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't know that. I have to watch yeah. that. I think it's in we'll the spirit of Gollum and what they were able to accomplish in the original Lord of the Rings. When he does the motion capture, Ricky, you have to send it to him. It's like one of my favorite like behind-the-scenes moments for any movie. And it's also there's so many memes that can go along with that type of moment. But the Benedict Cumberbatch voice – this is kind of like before Benedict Cumberbatch was – he wasn't Doctor Strange yet. Like he was like kind of – he was, he was just Khan. Sure I think he was Khan, I think, around that time mm-hmm. when he yeah. did Star Trek in the Darkness. But people still weren't really sure what he was. I think he was You're in the, the middle of year. Sherlock. But just the voice, how menacing it was. I feel like I wanted to pick Smaug instead of the Lord of the Rings villain because a lot of the major Lord of the Rings villains, like the one that I'm thinking of in person that I would take – like the, the person that actually is acting does not have the impact, right, as the overall villain of Lord of the Rings. And you, he doesn't have a figure, you know? It's just mm-hmm. the presence. And you can argue, like, that is, like, someone to take. And it is a character in and of himself. And Iconic. he did have a human form. I think everyone knows who I'm talking about if you've ever seen Lord of the Rings. But to have that physical presence there, and that is, like, the part of The Hobbit that is, like, from the first movie that uh, – well, was it first movie? Am I right? Second, was it Desol- Desolation of Smog? Was that yeah, second one? a little bit of Battle of the Armies. But that's yep. that moment and where it's basically like Jaws. And that's one of the most like memorable scenes of The Hobbit. Like I didn't even finish the Battle of the Five Armies, to be honest. I just wasn't that sucked in. But after watching this, these Lord of the Rings three movies, I'm going to start watching The Hobbit again. An unexpected journey I'm watching tonight already on the docket. But like that Jaws impact and that influence for The Hobbit's why I'm picking it. Amazing. Yeah. When you said the villain, like when you were talking about the villains, that's exactly why I went villain number one. And I, again, the villains aren't bad. It's just like there's mm-hmm. like there's a few issues. Just like if you want it on your draft, like drafting versus these other categories, it's like it's just not up to the same level. And it's because these levels, they're such highly regarded. Like these movies, these characters, these supporting characters, Hobbit, like whatever you want to say. Like there's so there's deeper and physical forms and whatever you want to say so mike do you think smog do you have that as like your number two is it down the line what were you thinking i actually so yeah um easily i think he's the best villain in all the hobbit movies like more i forgot the orc's name but like wasn't he's the one that kills thorin's whole bloodline I forgot his name i like that villain though uh, mm. i think smog though it's just like you know what it's like the way he's talking with Frodo, it's playing with your food. He's toying with him, knowing I can kill you at any second, but I'm just going to mess with you anyways for fun because I can. It's, that's like pure evil. <laughs> it's just like, and the actual I mean? voice. The yeah. voice. So good. And so then he just, then when he gets angered, he just fucking 
comes out. He's like, oh, you care about this town? Watch. I'm going to come back for you, but I'm going to kill them talks. first. He talks. It's like <laughs> not just a dragon. He talks shit to you. Like, yeah, it's he's, great. Like, he's like, oh, because he like looks back. That's how the movie ends. It's like, holy shit. So terrifying. Actually, it built up Battle of Five Armies. I was like, oh, okay. Yes. Like smog, way better than Unexpected Journey. Battle of Five Armies, disappointed because it built it up. But like when he turns back, he's like, oh, you care about these people? Well, <laughs> say goodbye because I'm about to have some barbecue. <laughs> And then I'm going to have you for dessert. You remember <laughs> so many of the details from the Hobbit trilogy. It's amazing. Say, <laughs> say what you want about the Hobbit trilogy. Unexpected journey. We saw that together. Our dad fell asleep famously for most of the movie. Mm-hmm. But we saw the second one, Desolation Smog, uh, with some friends. But don't tell me you didn't get chills uh, at the end there. And you were like, oh, yeah. wow. Smog was the reason worth going to the movie theater yeah, for that movie. Like that yeah, was the movie. So uh, what don't you could hate on the trilogy, even the Battle of the Five Armies, but Desolation of Smog and Smog himself, that's a great so, character, my number two villain. I'm gonna take a little bit of a sidebar here, but I think it's evident it's the reason why those movies were not successful. It was an obvious cash grab. You could Jackson wanted two movies, they forced him to make three. He didn't have the passion he did for the, the original trilogy. And the original trilogy use, uh, um, they didn't use CGI. They used practical effects. It made it real. And like um, the orcs were absolutely terrifying. Like the Yurikai that kills Boromir. I remember as a kid, I was like, that's fucking terrifying. <laughs> like yeah. when when he grabs Aragorn's sword, when he has one arm and like draws him in, doesn't even care. He's like slicing his hands. Like this thing's freaking terrifying. And then uh, the, the orcs here, like it's obvious CGI. It's done hastily hastily whatever it's done very like poorly very quickly just to pump these movies out it wasn't good and it and the first one i played during dad fell asleep why it starts off like um the fellowship they're drinking the entire time it it doesn't (laughs) it doesn't set the tone like the fellowship did it doesn't set that first tone it doesn't have like that right hook that gets you it doesn't matter there's all this exposition stuff then that lame ass song like yeah that, that, it's that like, was heavily criticized i'm thinking yeah about it's that. like it doesn't have this you immediately feel like this feels different it doesn't have the same you know which sucked because the trailers after that actually i felt a lot more of like that middle earth the energy than i do for reigns of power last trailer with that song i'm freaking nervous but that's a if they other. made the hobbit like if jackson <laughs> made the hobbit like a couple of years after Return of the King, oh. I think it would have been a better movie. Better movie. It would have gave him the bank. Like, like give hey, him 05, start the Hobbit immediately. Just exactly. I think it works better. They're not getting caught up in the superhero realm in rest. this like age of CGI. Because you're right, that's what made the original Lord of the Rings so special. The commitment to make that movie so good, and the uh, the attention to detail, the costume design, Oscar worthy. Oscar worthy. And then we just moved to computers for the rest of the not, trilogy. Not Oscar worthy. Oscar winning. Yeah, nuts, <laughs> nuts. Um, all right. So that was that was me. So uh, Mike, we're on to you and the third round. Third round. I'm gonna go with a supporting character here, um, and I'm gonna go with actually one of my favorite characters in the entire trilogy, Theoden. Okay. I love this guy. This guy is like such a leader. <laughs> Um, seeing him like 
Gandalf, like, it also, it's like when you first see his powers coming back, when he, when he um, gets cast out, uh, he casts out Saruman for being, um, have, holding power over Theoden. And then he, he comes back to his people. And then he's able to, in a time of crisis, rally. And then all of a sudden, get to Helm's Deep and then lead the charge. Also, some of the best lines in the trilogy. Like, and so it begins. And then, and then, like, uh, you want to talk about, like, I still think Return of the King, it rivals D-Day and Saving Private Ryan for best battle scene. Oh, yeah. I, and then... Oh, we have, to, we have to talk about, like, right. what is the best battle scene in the history of Lord of the Rings. We have to get to that. That should be a when category. He, when he leaves the ride for the Rohirrim and, like, he's chanting, like, on this day, he's, like, rallying it up and he's, like, screaming death. Like, it's like, death, and they're all chanting, death. Like, it's like that Viking, like, berserker, like, they know they're going to die, but I'm going to die gloriously. Like, it's like, and, and then they freaking, he, like, you, you get, like, amped up watching, like, you're about to watch some shit, then fuck them up. And then they, like, see the, they storm down the orcs. It's just like, and then, I mean, just, like, that guy is so inspiring. And, like, he's actually also, like, a, he's like, kind of, like, what you would expect of, regular person like he's not this huge hero he's flawed he was corrupted and then his kingdom suffered and now they're in crisis and he has to find a solution it's kind of and then he's realizing the whole fate of the world is at stake and he has to help and it's a losing battle but he has to try it's kind of like how you would expect people um everyday person if they were thrust in that situation how they would have to um uh, you know handle it yeah, and like the death scene, like right before the charge, when he's like uh, riding past all the people on the front line, and he's clicking all the spears. That's like chills. Like when I was rewatching it, like chills, chills, chills. chills. Oh, that fun, was fun. Uh, so that was directly Tolkien took that from history, um, from uh, Lechna Pride, Polish Pride, the Winged Hussars when they say they fought the Turks and forced the Turks um, out of Europe um, when they were overtaken in Vienna. They had um the polish wing touch which was like the most fearsome cavalry they dominated for like a thousand years in middle age warfare they were at the top of a hill and they came down like that upon the turks and then sliced them up when they ride through in two towers yeah yeah oh, so it was kind of it was kind of like that it's like the fate of the world's at stake and then they come in and save the day Electric. like yeah but i i also will say yes good leader but i i will push back a little bit <laughs> we'll push okay. back uh and when they're uh it starts with the h heim uh the when they're in the mountains and he's kind of like being a pessimist and aragorn's like we're not done and he needs aragorn like, aragorn, aragorn has to rally the going. yeah he's inspired what men what men can do against king, such hate and then yeah. return of the king when the horse is on him and his daughter's like over him he goes like when his my time is done he goes it wasn't me that like and she's like you're a good man and he goes aragorn's the one that like rallied the troops he's like confessing so like yes good leader but also give props to your earlier pick in aragorn yeah no but i think that's what's great it's like he's pessimistic when he's realizing like they might lose at helm's deep and like the world's end it's just like it's what how an average person would react like he's like pragmatic like he's pragmatic compared to like yeah, an optimistic yeah. aragorn you know just like aragorn yeah. refuses to lose at all costs you know yeah Jordan. and I, I do want to say i think it shows how much a king matters right to these different kingdoms when he goes from like under the control 
of Saruman, and then he, there's new life breathed into him, and therefore there's new life breathed into him. There's new li- life breathed into his kingdom. You know, it just seems like once he like gains this, like the movie gains momentum when he becomes a force. You mm-hmm. know, it just Starts feels like okay, exactly. It just he, he literally breathed new life. He he gets to breathe, and then also like the movie is just like okay, let's go. We got a shot against these guys. You know, it almost has like a three hundred vibe. Also, like <laughs> where we're going, like we're talking about uh, Fight at Helm's Deep, uh, End of Two Towers. He is instrumental part of that, and he his it was his idea to ride out, right? Wasn't that him, or was that Aragorn? That was Aragorn. Aragorn. Helm's Deep. Ah, he's like, he's like okay. he goes, what what can men do against such hate? And he's like, ride out and meet them. <laughs> I, got, I gotta say, says, yeah. supporting character is a tough category right now. I it know. is a tough category. There's a lot of good supporting characters. I'm not looking forward to drafting it, to be honest. I'm afraid I'm going to have to go. I mean, glad. I think I, I, I got a criticism I'll have to talk about later. But, yeah, keep going. Glad I grabbed Treebird from you Beard from you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were really clamoring for that one. Michael, uh, Big Mike, you're on to the next pick, I believe, right? Start the fourth yeah. round? Yeah, so I'm going to go villain and – I'm going to go with Saruman. Good. Again, I really like Christopher Lee in here. Um, performance of the ages. Christopher Lee was actually, uh, he was probably the biggest Tolkien nerd on the entire set. Uh, rest in peace. He was alive he, when the books were written, bro. <laughs> he, he read the books every single year. He reread the entire trilogy because he was such a fan. Wow. And he had actually, time to do these movies. And he actually auditioned for Gandalf. And I actually could see him as believe. Gandalf. And they, they he lost perfect. McKellen. And Jackson thought you would be perfect as Saruman. And like he owned it. The evil. Like he's like, it's such like the. I think we were talking about Sauron. Like there really isn't Sauron in this movie. It's just the eye is really the villain here. He it's is like. Fellowship, but yeah. He, he really is like the um, human form of evil in this movie. Like, it, it's just incredible, like how he was able to, um, you know, just become like this this villain. And it's, it's like crazy how it begins, because like you think he's this good guy in the fellowship. Gandalf comes to him for help. And then it's like, actually, this dude's already turned. He starts <laughs> beating the crap he's out of Gandalf. And he's like the the wizard, like the head. He's wizard. the most powerful like, wizard. Yeah. And so it gives you like the hopelessness of the situation. We're like the guy that's the most powerful wizard in the world is like, we can't win this. We should join forces with him. And you're like, oh <laughs> shit, pragmatic, you know. <laughs> but I'm also like, thinking during that scene where they're going one on one, it's one of the best parts of the Fellowship of the Ring. Amazing battle. It, it, what is so good cool. about it is that there's blood. Like they yeah. are actually getting hurt. It's not a superhero movie where they're just taking hits and then like there's a sonic boom when no. they get hit and they pop back up. They are getting bodied in that so scene. I, Ian McKellen is getting hit in the deck. Let the bodies hit the well, floor. You see how much more powerful Saruman is over Gandalf. Like he oh, really yeah. is like leagues better. And then he starts spinning him around and then he drops that's also it's so good like you you're not all powerful if you're just a wizard that doesn't mean you're gonna win there's there's levels to the shit (laughs) (laughs) i i couldn't help but laugh watching that scene this time around really (laughs) i could 
<laughs> it was just so funny watching like uh like when they're on the roof and uh Saruman pushes Gandalf to the edge he's just holding on by his feet and I kept thinking like all right well this is like what Star Wars would be if there was no lightsabers <laughs> like it would just be using the force <laughs> and I would be thinking like every time I watch Star Wars like uh, original trilogy I'm just thinking like I want them to use more force we talked about it in the Obi-Wan recaps Obi-Wan Kenobi series recaps how we loved how they use the force in that and how we always wanted to see more force. This is like, if this was Star Wars, too much force. But no, this is good. Wizards battling it out. I do like it. But yes, I can't, I have to say it. I couldn't help but laugh watching it this time around in Fellowship. I, I, I also wanted to add, you brought up Star Wars. Like, after watching this, it almost seemed like a no-brainer that he could play a Sith Lord, meaning Christopher Lee. Right. It was just like, yeah. this guy's Count Perfect. Dooku. You know, it's just like he has the energy. He gives out that energy of a Sith Lord. It was oh. too obvious to do so afterwards. I don't think he was in Phantom Menace, though, right? I don't think so. But his um, character was, I was sorry, like the Count was, but not him. Oh, got it. Yep. Um, well, Christopher Lee is also, he was just perfectly, it's his voice. He's known as a villain. Like he was Count Dracula in the okay. 60s. Yeah. Like, what? What you say? Type like he's always a villain. Yeah, yeah. Because he just he has that he's he's big, he's intimidating, he has the voice. It's just like and it's the casting of this movie of this trilogy. It's crazy how on point it is. And when you look at Gandalf, it seems so obvious. Ian McKellen, Chris Frilly is the villain. It's like they're almost yeah. like natural foils of one another. Just yeah, seems it seems so perfect. It, I can only think of one better and Ooh. It involves Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart. Like, it's oh, like it's <laughs> we need like, a little more hype. We're gonna put them in just, stilts. They just match like each other, and like hair. just like it's such a. Ricky <laughs> yeah, with some locks, with some. If we, Ricky, Rick, I said, get him some stilts, and Ricky says, and hair. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like that's the only time like I can see like such a good juxtaposition of like villain and hero and there's the chemistry between the two like the betrayal in gandalf's eyes when chris when when uh, saruman says like i'm already like i've chosen my side <laughs> like, he's yeah. like dude stop trying to convince me it's done <laughs> don't yeah. look at this ball buddy and i've been looking at that 10 times like, a day yeah and then like just like don't the look at that his, dude i own this yeah. ball <laughs> the coldness in his voice when he's like telling like the urukai when he first made do you know how the orcs were first forged? It's <laughs> just like this dude is like so evil. We needed like a scene with Christopher Lee reacting to the way to the ball, the way like Pippin did when he like grabs yeah. it, like shaking everywhere. We need the Christopher <laughs> Lee like origin story there. Um, all right, middle of the fourth round, it's on to me. I'm missing a Hobbit and then supporting character. I'm gonna take um, take care of the easy one first. I think it's Hobbit. I got a question before I make this pick. I feel like I can't just pick one of these guys. I got to take both, and it's Marion Pippin. I don't think you could just take one. I agree. Inseparable. Except they were separated, but inseparable. I, do I, would, like I don't know. Oh, Return of the King, they're separated. <laughs> I will say I do like one over the other, but I feel like yes. you have to pick them together. They are just I, so I, synonymous. I, agree with that. I want Marion Pippin over, yeah. over Frodo. I don't want Frodo on my board. I feel like if I got Frodo on my board, Wait, I think did that's... Wait, Rick pick... Uh, Bilbo. If we don't pick him for the fellowship, like I, I don't know if that, if that hurts our credibility a little bit. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think it helps it. 
to be honest. I, I think he is so unlikable. I don't want Frodo on my board. He did a good just, job in the movies, but like in the books, he's a much more likable character. <laughs> if if you said I had to take one of um no, take take Mary and Pippin. I just think it's kind of funny. It kind of could be subjective too. Like all of us were kind of like, eh, Frodo. <laughs> the comic the easy comic relief in this movie. Oh yeah. Um it's fascinating that they get separated from the squad, right? Yes. Yeah. Into two towers because you think because like already you have Frodo and Sam on their own. Like, can you have another pair of hobbits like on their own and actually survive without the fellowship? And I love the connection they make with Treebeard and the squad. I love that. Um, comic relief was on point. They do kind of screw everything up in Fellowship, but they're so likable. Like, even if they screw something up, it's like they they honestly cost Gandalf his life, kind of. <laughs> like, like Gandalf the Grey was kind of like Mary and Pippin's fault. More specifically, Mary. Mary, like, screws up. Mary's the screw up. He touches yeah. the Palantir. He touches the. He yeah. Everything touches goes bad, but he is such a moment of redemption. And they each have beautiful moments to their stories. Oh, yeah. And I'm trying to think. Wait. Um, who stuck with um, Alwyn? It was Pippin. Like that whole like sequence where he wants to be a warrior. I think he has a nice subplot, nice mini arc to his story as Wait, well. Mary. Mary. Wait, Ma- Mary is the one who goes with Alwyn, right? Yes. No. In Return yes. Of the King. Pippin's with, with Gandalf. Pippin's with Gandalf. Return of the King. Yes. At right. Gondor. You're right. Yes, yeah. and he's the one so talking about I, the quote I, you said I, I always switch them. It is so yeah. easy to switch them because that's another reason why they get drafted together. But they're the ones, and like they're like the joyful moments, them drinking and dancing and singing. It just puts a smile to your face whenever you see them. Uh, I enjoy watching the scenes that they're in. I actually like watching them, like kind of separately, more so at times than watching Sam, Frodo, and Gollum. I said it. I really do. Pippin's uh, song too. That was Billy Boyd. Like he Beautiful. actually wrote and sang that song. Yeah, when the soldiers they go to their death, like it's like that's like so song. impactful. Like I'm not gonna lie on that scene. I was near the end of my uh, what marathon. Quick couple you fifteen second it. fast forwards. <laughs> really? You know I like to me. Yeah. It's it's so After good. Ten seconds. Like, I was like. That's a moment where they're giving him a shine, like almost like a tribute to like a three movie run, right? As a supporting yeah. character, not getting the love of like an Aragorn or a Gandalf or a Frodo or a Sam. Give him that solo moment. Um, you know, that yeah. was one take. No, that was the first take. I just found that out yesterday. Okay. Jackson, he came up to Jackson. He's like, I wrote this song. He's like, let's film it. <laughs> and so he filmed it in one take. And then obviously they re recorded for sound, but like that, like that, the, footage is one take the first one so mary and pippin i don't think we have to say much more to be honest we kind of know what they're all about uh we're on to the uh, finale of the fourth round ricky flex you're up you need uh a fellowship member and a movie yeah and i'm gonna save the fellowship because big mike doesn't have a movie so i was do a separate round for that so they're not in the same round so i'll pick that now this might be a hot take but i'm picking the two towers Oh That's my gosh! Finish. I was gonna pick that. <laughs> what? I don't. Okay, go make your case. I love it. I think that again after fellowship, it's setting up for the quest. You see the quest. You get introduced to Gollum officially. You there's a hint, like a shadow of him in fellowship, but officially introduced. You get Isengard fully in here. 
Helms Deep battle. Again, I, I think uh, Minas uh, Tereth is better, but Helms Deep in here. I think, again, more introductions to other characters. I think Fellowship was introductions to settings and yes, to characters, but to the major characters going into Return of the King. You see it here, right? Sauron. Uh, sorry, Sauron. Saruman. 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 That was a good impersonation. Yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, (laughs) I think fully in force here. I'm a two towers guy. I think Return of the King, similar to your comments earlier, uh, what I said about Dune. I think Return of the King, that's like the perfect wrap up, but it does lag a bit. They have just an extra battle there at the end just to get Frodo across that last hour. Again, like it's like, all right, we already finished this epic battle. We're gonna have another one that feels like just like saving some or just putting in extra time. And Frodo and Sam at full annoyance in this movie. I'm going two towers. What would you say then? Hot hot take, or actually not hot take, but debate. What's better, Battle of Helms Deep or Battle of the Pelennor Fields? That's me. Helms Helms Deep. I think Helm's, Helm's Deep, Deep is the best battle in the history of Lord of the Rings. Really? I think it's better than Battle of Middle-earth, bro. Get nice those dead turn. people out of here. I don't need those that, dead people. I, that's another thing look. about Return of the King. That's another thing. I don't like the ending to that battle. With just I, I don't like people. the dead people fighting. I don't, I don't like – I don't dig that at all. I think the underdog mentality of the Battle of Helm's Deep, the 300 vibe, right? The ride out, right, with Theoden and Aragorn. I think the humor with you got Legolas and Gimli going like counting together one one two two three three and you got like I agree you got Gimli next to Aragorn the comic relief where he's like toss me (laughs) he goes like what toss me just don't tell the elf (laughs) and then he does it and then he's just like slaying you are like at a sporting event cheering him on Gandalf riding down with Amir shout out Carl Urban right shout out the boys riding down very close supporting character for me. Very close. Oh, it's still it's still in play, Mike. It's yeah, very much in play right now. Well, uh, I didn't pick him, so but I oh, no. he's such a badass. <laughs> I'm I'm leading. I'm 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 heavily leading towards him due to like his appearance in that fight that battle of Helm's Deep. Um, in the trees coming in, the return right nice of the twins, Mary and Pippin, Treebeard. Ricky just drafted him. I literally think that's a better fight. Although Battle of Middle Earth gets a lot of credit because it wraps up Return of the King. It has like a lot of heart into it, but I just don't dig the dead people. I don't even think it looks good on screen. The dead people, I completely agree with. Completely. And then the mercenaries, I don't understand. Like, come on. Like, why are we doing this, mercenaries? You're on the wrong side here. Um, but yeah, no, I did, I think going back to the two towers here, again, I just personally, that's my favorite out of all of them. And I think what makes this, I think with trilogies, a big problem we that you see in trilogies is either yes like godfather the third one just so far late and the third one just suffers but a lot of times it's the sequel that needs to live up to the original yes dark knight you're thinking of that i know but this one like i just think two towers just took it up levels where fellowship felt ground more grounded in those settings that you talked about this one's like this is a spectacle this is the lord of the rings this is what we're talking about here. This is the epic trilogy that we want you to remember by. And the two towers for me is that. This is where I think you actually sacrifice some of the storytelling for the action sequences that Mike was talking about before. The story gets a little crazy when they get separated, right? Yeah. The screen the screen time's getting divvied up. It's not e- as easy to follow along. Fellowship is so much tighter, 
than the two towers. Yeah. I think as a movie itself, Fellowship's better. But you're looking for the moments, two towers has it. I love the battle sequence at the end. Um, and we don't have Gandalf for the first half of two towers, you know? So it's like, I don't, I, like, I love Gandalf and Ricky Fletcher. You obviously love Gandalf as well. He comes back strong as hell, like, as Gandalf yeah. the White, and it makes, like, the presence, like, it's an amazing point of the movie. But uh, that's kind of why I would I would go Fellowship, Return of the King, and then Two Towers. There's also right. the fact, like, um, to Ricky's point, I mean, I mean, they're all amazing. You know, it shows like the spectacle, but it also shows like it starts. It does a fantastic job of world building. It shows the scope of Middle Earth. Like, it, that's actually when the mercenaries are first introduced um, because um, they expand on it more in Lord in the Two Towers and the movies oh, yeah. than they oh, did yeah. in uh, Return of the oh, King. Fuck, fuck. But like. In the books, uh, there are men from the south and the east, and they are on Sauron's on Sauron's side, and so, and then they're being introduced, and they're like showing, like, hey, not everybody, you know, it's it's not just like just because you're um, of the race of men that you're gonna be, you know, on the side for uh, good. Like there are people that are just they're willing to side with the bad because they will benefit, and it just shows like that evil um theme but then also just it goes to a different kingdom like it shows the difference between gondor and the difference between uh rohan and then like because gondor if you watch the extended edition um and, you know it shows a lot more scenes it shows boromir actually leading the troops before his death before he went off to join the fellowship but then it, it introduces like faramir boromir's brother and like how they are in their own way trying to combat this evil that they know is present it's it's kind of uh it's just does a great job of like what ricky was saying building on the fellowship but then getting you ready for it's setting the stage for how epic the last the return of king's gonna be it ricky flicks has talked about this multiple times in the podcast it does what a sequel is supposed to do expand the scope of the universe that's exactly what it does right and it takes you different parts that you are going to be exploring throughout this movie into return of the king um great it's it, they're all so amazing they're, they're, they're all on par with each other um but yeah we there's three and there's three of us it's like a perfect thing to draft in a category all yeah. right with that being said ricky flicks you're we're, you're kicking off the fifth round and you need a fellowship member this arguably is the decision of the draft like in terms of like my anticipation who are you going to pick one or the other it's tough i want to know who you're thinking So this is a tough one. And I think I'm, I'm debating between two, but I think you all know who I'm going to pick. Big Mike, it goes against what you would probably pick, but I'm going Legolas. No, I knew it. The name yeah. itself, the name, the style. Bo the cachet. Cachet. <laughs> uh, Orlando Bloom in his prime. Two Towers just talked about it. Battle of Helms Deep. Little Tony Hawk down the staircase, uh, bow and arrow, psh, psh, psh. and then Return of the King with the elephant goes down the snout after taking out everyone in the elephant and the elephant itself, and then sliding down the stout and the close up on that, just the style there. And he's so good, you know what? Let's bring him back for the Hobbit. Uh, well, specifically Desolation of Small. So, Legolas, I picked him over Gimli. Yeah, I'm going to say it because no one else is going to pick because he's the other member of Fellowship. I love Gimli. And I just don't think – I think he's funny, right? The com Kind of the comedic atmosphere – or comedic relief there, comic relief there. And he's great. But I just think I, – I, I, I chose style 
I chose style over power. That's what I did. That's my final pick. Mike, what do you think? Game uh, Legos over Gimli. You agree? Uh, that's a tough one. I mean, like so tough. Yeah, Legolas, though, I mean, just to Ricky's, uh, to support Ricky's opinion first, I mean, like, such a great character, um, really, again, he goes through an arc, like, he's young and, like, very arrogant, like, clearly very arrogant, he thinks he's better, because he's an elf, he thinks he's superior, he thinks, um, you know, these men, these dwarves, they're all stupid, they're all irrational, like, why are we even involving ourselves with them? We're elves, we're above them. And then you go to see him, like, um, to the end, with the, I mean, it's kind of mean now, this line's so classic, but he goes like, I, I never thought I'd die side by side by side, side by side with an elf. How about, side by, how about with a friend? <laughs> side by side with a friend. <laughs> like, um, it's just like, you see, like, he became much more, even though he's an elf, much more human, much more, um, personal and like form like the strong bond with uh, Aragorn and Gimli and even Frodo and all these oh, other shit. characters. Yeah. And so um, that growth is really amazing. This watch, um, especially cause he's like, yeah, he's probably the oldest just cause elves are old, but in mentally he's definitely the youngest and like uh, uh, only one that could be, I guess, considered younger is Frodo, but like, he's really very uh, young and eager to like become this myth, this legend because you know his king his uh his dad's a king it's uh his own um this is how he cements his legacy so i, uh, I, I think... thought about drafting a thurndil for supporting characters i did we pace i do that's think... a good one i think graphic wise you made the right decision legolas looks better on a graphic but i think personally i would tell gimli all day and it's not just stuff. because he's it's not because he's a short king. Uh I think first of all, he's better the guy who played him is a better actor. Oh, like, for like, sure. Like like I think or, also or, played or Orlando Bloom Loki sucks. Like in this movie. John John Reese Davies played Treebeard. I literally I don't think like after watching this, I'm like, Legolas is cool looking. He's a good looking dude, but he is the weak link of the cast, in my opinion. Cool. He doesn't get many extended lines. He doesn't have the long soliloquies of an Aragorn, of a Gandalf. He doesn't have, like, the comedic timing of a Gimli. But he looks sweet when he rides down the stairs. And when yeah. he is shooting the arrow at a quick pace, like, cool character, acting-wise, I thought he was, like, bottom of the totem pole. My, well, what do you guys think about that? Am I right well, or wrong? I think with Gimli, you see, like, in the Fellowship yeah. and the Minds of Moria, when they go and he realizes everyone's dead. Baldwin's dead. Sad to see because after you watch the Hobbit movies, you're like, oh, that's fate. But like, that's true. Um, but like, Gimli is like, you see the sorrow. Like, we don't really get a moment like that with Legolas. No, we don't get like don't. a moment of pure anguish. And like, I mean, part of it's because an elf, they're not as emotional as dwarves and men. But it's still like he doesn't, he doesn't have like that range that Gimli does. Like when Gimli, like you see like elation, you see joy, you see fear and then you see not like, emotional he's so yeah. one note like pretty much the yeah. entire time mm -hmm. yeah i yeah. i agree and i think that's just kind of like kind of what the character is like at least writing i agree was it because of orlando bloom i don't think so i think even though i do don't think he's a very good actor i just no offense <laughs> but i i just think that's the character he's there to be cool and for the style points and that's what i'm drafting <laughs> you know like i'm drafting for the yeah. style points he's what you think of you think like 
who's like the coolest character in Lord of the Rings? You're thinking Legolas. And again, like he's not my favorite. I think like I'm just saying, like, to the cool nature style points, I'm picking Legolas. And again, on the graphic, it looks good, but I think that my board here, I after you pick Gandalf, I wrote down my final four picks. Like I knew, like, oh, I get these four picks. I just knew I would get them because I knew I was like I knew like fellowship, my top two in the fellowship were gone. Um Hobbit was gone and I already picked a villain. So I was like, all right, well, no one's probably gonna pick Tree Beard. No one's gonna pick Bilbo. No one's gonna pick two towers since you already picked Fellowship and you and Big Mike, you alluded to Return of the King. I thought you would honestly pick that. So I was like, Oh, all right, well, I know the rest of my draft already. I, I was very close to picking Bilbo over Sam. Wow. I really do like Bilbo. I think he's a great character. And yeah. as I've gotten older, I really think like you know. He's just a fantastic character. Great story arc. That even if actually, even, actually rides off into the sunset. Like even <laughs> even right. if there was never books written, it was just Lord of the Rings. They introduced Bilbo. Like you knew, like this guy's been through something. This guy has yeah. gone through with the ring and like the way he approaches it and his confidence around the Shire and how he's like just such a legend. It was so inevitable that he deserved like his own movie, his own trilogy, because like he obviously went through some crap. You know. Um, all right. We're on to me. Uh, I need a supporting character. And I'm about to, I think I'm about to do something. They, people were critical of Lord of the Rings because of its focus on men rather than women. Okay. I think I have to take a female character here for the sake of diversity. And we are 21st century men on this podcast. It's all about picking the right woman here. There are three that I'm looking at. Eowyn, yeah. incredible arc, right? Uh, actually, not really an incredible arc. Uh, I think doesn't get a lot of screen time in Return of the King. You got Arwen, Liv Tyler, smoking hot. You know, she looks incredible. I can't, after being, like, after proclaiming myself a 21st century feminist, I cannot draft her after saying that. But <laughs> she is on fire in this movie. Um. I think I have to go with Kate Blanchett as Galadriel. That was my number two supporting character. She yeah. has so much mystique around her. She's so powerful. She's the female Gandalf here. She is like almost Scarlet Witch with her ability to get into people's minds, right? Make them reflect on their past. And like, I love how they do those allusions to her. Arwen does the same thing, Elvish and everything how she can just maintain a presence without even being in that situation. I think in the two towers, right? Was it two towers? Like, no, it was a fellowship fellowship. fellowship when they first meet her. I thought that yep. was such an incredible moment. Yeah, um, and also like she tests herself with the ring similar to Gandalf. She is kind of like the counterpart, the female Gandalf here. In my I opinion. think she's actually more powerful. I agree. She just recuses herself. From she, the battle of Middle Earth, because like she's an elf, she's like, "This is not my battle. This is yeah. not my place." But I actually think she's more powerful than Gandalf. you see. You see that power in Hobbit trilogy. She yeah. her versus Sauron. She is so regal, and I think once again, oh, yeah. casting on point, like Kate Blanchett. I don't even know how big of a name she was at this point. Yeah. Honestly, uh, like I don't know many Kate Blanchett movies from the nineties. Name you one. Name you. I'm thinking. I'm thinking of 22 Johnson. I thought the I thought the budget was Kate Blanchett. 
like Kate Blanchett sometimes are confused with like Gwyneth. <laughs> sometimes Car Blanche. Um so <laughs> I think sometimes like great, I confuse Kate Blanchett with like Gwyneth Paltrow, who is like a little less regal, obviously. And like Kate better Blanchett, actress by far. Kate like can't play she has Way like prestige. Actress. Like she is like amazing actress. Kate Blanchett. And I feel like this catapulted her, right? I, I don't even I can't name a Kate Blanchett movie from the nineties. Valentine's oh, Mr. Ripley. Um, oh, that was, oh wait, that's yeah, Mr. Ripley's a huge one. No, she um, was in yeah, no, she was in Bandits. That's like one she, three. Oh, I she was in a lot of movie. TV series in the mid nineties. But this one, it's just like people are like, oh my god, like the presence on screen here, very limited screen time, but she absolutely steals the show when she's she there. Was, she is glowing, she, literally. And I think she was the the woman in Eyes Wide Shut, where drags Tom Cruise out and says like, you shouldn't be here. I think she's well, also that woman. Ninety nine. She's, yeah. she's in the. I I know she's too old for Leo, but she was in the Aviator. Oh, oh four. Yeah, oh, four. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but she was also in Elizabeth, um, where she plays Queen Elizabeth the first. Oh, okay. Badass historical That's figure. Queen yeah. Elizabeth is like freaking, like. One of the probably one of the best leaders in English history. Prove <laughs> like, the haters yeah. wrong, brought him back yeah. to glory, hundred percent. And that was in '98, so that's right before the Lord, like right before yeah. she was. That that actually might be why she was cast. Like that's right yeah. before regal, right before right they went to common adjective. Yeah, but uh, I, I'll just add this since this was my second supporting character, like after Treebeard. Um, I think good narration. Right, she starts off fellowship with her narration. Oh, amazing, amazing! Talk about Christopher Lee, like uh, beautiful voice, pure darkness, yes. pure light. Like that voice is just like uh. yeah, very good narration. We mentioned the powerfulness of her character. I'm also interested in her in Rings of Power, not Kate Blanchett, but this character. It's just, yeah, she's old as hell. She's they, gonna they, be they a they young shoot, like a, big look at the fill there. Yeah, it's it's. I'm very interested in Galadriel, whatever in this on friday when this when the series comes out and then finally big mike this moral question to you is it true that this wasn't in the books or was this in the books was she what her was character galadriel yeah, yeah like um so she is not so the hobbit took significant artistic license and liberties compared to lord of the rings she's a she's a big factor in lord of the rings and the Samil. i can never say this damn word the Samilrilian, the the like the it's the book that they're basing off of. Yep, I know it's all the saying. other stories in Middle Earth. Because of the sea, right? Samilrilian. Yeah, it's very hard yeah. to say. Um, yeah, I already yeah. kind of have like a slur. We don't worry too much about vocabulary on this podcast. Um, for grammar, <laughs> true. The sill, um, but Simril. Um, that but is until anyways, you joined it, Michael. He's not. He's um, not in. He's not in. She's not in the Hobbit at all. Okay. And yeah, like, like the, and, and that's also a like carryover. You need some presence. None of those people are in the Hobbit at all. Interesting, because so, like age-wise, yeah. it matches up like they should be. Yeah. Well, Tolkien didn't. Well, you gotta remember, the Lord, the Fellowship came out in 1956, and the Hobbit came out in 1938. So like, Tolkien hadn't even like those characters weren't even in his head yet. Gotcha. Oh, interesting. Um. All right. So. Uh, we are on to the final pick here, Mike. I assume you're going to go, Mister uh, Irrelevant here. Battle of the five, Battle of the Five Armies as the last pick for your movie category. Unexpected uh, I was journey. Very close, actually, to uh, the 1970s uh, animated. Oh yeah, yeah, really put uh, a spin on it. 
Those actually aren't that bad, but um, I am going to obviously go with uh, Return of the King. Return of the King is Mr. Irrelevant of this draft. That is nice. Yeah. And Frodo goes undrafted. I think it's just... <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think Return of the King is just like... I mean, it's not the one I always go back to, and this is actually... It's a personal thing. I never like watching the last movie of a series or a trilogy. Like I don't, I never watch on game. I, I don't like seeing characters I love, like it's over, like the story's over. Mm, I hate yeah. it. And then like seeing like um, Frodo part from his friend, Sam, after everything they've been through, it's really actually very emotional, very tough to watch, but it also speaks to like what a journey this movie has been. And like, and like, I think Return of the King, honestly, it has a strong case for the best movie ever made. Strong case. Wow. If you've ever it, already tied for most Oscars, I think it is the best movie ever made in terms of cinematic masterpiece. The CGI still holds up 20 years later. And the fact that they also use practical effects and just like the culmination of this story. But then there's also many arcs in the movie itself. Like, it feels like it could be a trilogy in itself. This movie's so damn long, especially if you watch the extended edition. But like, you're on the edge of your seat for all of it. Like like theatrical, scene, three hours, twenty minutes. It, it's it's and that's yeah, that's the theatrical. Like the extended has so much more stuff in it. That has what might be the best battle scene ever. Like, and it's mythical. I mean, the the dialogue is fantastic. The stakes are high. It's just such an amazing movie. And so, yeah, it's no surprise I'm going. I mean, Fellowship and Two Towers are taken, so, <laughs> but, yeah. Interesting. Uh, so would you go same, uh, would you go Return of the King, Fellowship, and then Two Towers, or would you go Return of the King, Two Towers, Fellowship? So in terms of my favorites, like, personally speaking, I would go Two Towers, Return of the King, Fellowship. In terms of best movies, like as a movie, what's the best? I would go uh, Return of the King, Fellowship, Two Towers. Sounds about right. Um, I think we, I'm going to go through, right? So that, that that's Mr. Relevance, last pick of the draft. I'm going to run through the draft board. I think we only really have to go through supporting characters. Uh, any honorable mentions? Let me just go through right now. Uh, so we'll go through Ricky Flix's draft first. Fellowship member, he has Legolas. Villain, he has Gollum. Movie, he has the Two Towers. Hobbit, he's got Bilbo Baggins. And then finally, supporting character, he has Treebeard. <laughs> Dr. O has Gandalf. I love the Treebeard pick. Like, I do like that pick. Dr. O has Gandalf as a fellowship member. His villain is uh, Smog. Can I just interject? Uh, that Treebeard pick is a Jake DeBrusque pick. <laughs> That's a reach. I was just like, holy crap. And it ends up like Jake DeBrusque turned out to be a decent play. But like, holy shit, Rick. I was not expecting you to like, pick like, Treebeard. Like, 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 you picked Treebeard. I think that was literally like a top five pick in the draft. Right? Or top six, I should say. You're like, I'm going to yes, go back six. to back number six. I'm going Treebeard. And that's before we pick like Gandalf. After Gandalf. We have Treebeard. We have no Frodo, no Gimli, but we got Treebeard. It was just crazy. The guys came after him. It's no like, Sauron, really? no Frodo. That's the guy like you're 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 taking a flyer on for sure. Um, <laughs> all right, his ceiling's Smog, really high. Doctor O has Smog as the villain. Movie, uh, he has Fellowship of the Ring, Hobbit, Merry and Pippin, and then finally supporting character Galadriel, Galadriel, whatever. Uh, Big Mike has Aragorn, Aragorn, 
as a fellowship member, uh, Saruman as his villain, Return of the King as his movie, Samwise Gamgee as his Hobbit, and Theoden as his supporting character. I got Mike in this one. I got Mike with where the combination of Sam, Return of the King, and Aragorn impossible to overcome. I agree. I really, I really wanted to pick Arwen or Eowyn, especially Arwen because I picked Aragorn. Supporting um, character is such an irrelevant category here. It, it's okay. a tough one because there's so many characters to pick from. Yeah. Oh, also honorable mention by far Boromir. That was tough. I wanted to take him as a supporting Four. character. I was like, I can't believe That's I forgot. That's the one I would have allowed out of the fellowship. To Damn it! I literally look, Ricky. I was gonna. So I was gonna say, I crossed him. I was three. Allowed to pick him. For supporting characters, I said three: Marion Pippin and Boromir. I would have. I would have counted them as supporting. Okay, that, I, was I think the that would have made me contest with you for the draft. I think if I got Boromir. Boromir, he's in one in yeah, uh, one movie in a few there. scenes, but he has such an impactful like presence in that time on one does not simply ignore boromir as a supporting character he's a great like Sean you are my captain you are my king you know what I, mean? B- I personally by the way i wouldn't have like if you guys took him in supporting character that's a veto by the way like he is he's in the fellowship mm. Vito. He think, is. I think he's a Marian little bit Pippen, different because he's not in all three movies. Like Marion Pippin's main, different because they're character. hobbits. Like they yeah, have to I, be drafted in hobbits. They're, they're not supporting so, here. They're they're all in the fellowship. I said I literally said he would be the only member of the fellowship that I would allow in the supporting character, and because he's only in one movie. Yeah, but the the fellowship of the ring is the movie he's in. I know, so that's why I was like, let's just keep it simple. You can't pick him. I literally crossed it off, but like Boromir. I don't think his death is – it doesn't, I guess uh, – how do I describe it? it? It doesn't, like, give – it doesn't pay back for what he's done, in my opinion. It would, Like, it wasn't that rewarding, like, to see him go through that death at the end. It was just, like, the, he didn't really sacrifice anything. Like, when you look back at it, like, he didn't really do anything. Marion Pippin still get taken, right? Okay. After so this that – This is where I think it's – important and i think the movie the movie could have learned from the books so uh boromir is supposed to be like this example of a man in the book he's enormous he's much bigger than aragorn he's a warrior he's a leader he's going to be his father is the steward of gondor he's going to be the steward of gondor aka king he's going to lead them this is the guy that should take the ring and lead the fellowship no this dude is corrupted by the ring he is not a leader, and it isn't until he learns from his mistake that he is not this perfect leader like most books would have him be. He is a fallible man, and Aragorn actually is that leader that's able to resist temptation. And then he ultimately pays for it with his life, but he makes the right choice trying to save Merry and Pippin. And right. in the last moments of his life, he's worried about they took the halflings. <laughs> he's like one, he's like, he's like trying to tell Aragorn like what happened to them like are, are they that safe was, that was right. another thing like on this rewatch like even that and then in the two towers when uh Gimli Legolas and Aragorn are like tracking the orcs and Merry and Pippin it's like they care so much about these hobbits and they've known them for five minutes <laughs> they barely like they owe them. something to them like, exactly you know? yeah Brotherhood. they care so much and like they don't even have the ring but they're like we gotta go get them yeah you know um yeah, uh, I also think like Gormir's death is huge because it's not the Game of Thrones trope 
where like, oh, anybody can die. But it shows like these guys, all of them do have the possibility, like they might not all make it. <laughs> like, yeah, someone guy... had to go. And it like, I guess <laughs> it was somewhat impactful. I just don't think it was as strong as like Peter Jackson made it out to be or wanted it to be, in my opinion. Just because of like it wasn't as rewarding, they still get taken. If somehow he created some time and they get captured at the beginning of two towers, okay, maybe. But like directly after he dies, they take him. I was just like, God damn it, what did he die for? What? The orcs away. Frodo got away. Frodo got away, I guess, but Frodo was already running from Boromir because he was trying to steal the ring. You know, it's just like (laughs) could I could I say a supporting character? I'm surprised no one took. Go ahead. Elbrond. I don't like him, bro. I don't really like him that much. Not, like I like Hugo Weaving, but like he's trying to disparage true love, bro. <laughs> yeah, but then he he ultimately like I think it's he's an important part of that like Arwen and Aragorn story. Yeah, no, he is, and he he's he's also very wise. He's got he's got to have a presence in the Rings of Power, right? Uh, yeah, you know who's playing him? Is, no, um, that guy. And Hugo Weaving. Stark, the guy that played, the guy that played Ned Stark, he looks yes. like Hugo Weaving, which I'm a little pissed. Young about. Ned Stark, the guy that played Young Ned Stark. No way. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, but uh, I'm also, excited to see him. I wish I saw uh, just like more of him. Like, like I love seeing him in the beginning fighting for a second. Like, I wish I got like. Well, you realize like this dude's a badass. <laughs> like, yeah, he is. I just don't like like he like he seems to have beef with Aragorn and things like that, and like he just doesn't respect him. And I don't know. I, I, he's cool, and I like Hugo Weaving. Yeah. But I like I like Galadriel a lot more. It crossed oh, yeah. my mind. I had him on my board, but not to be the next guy drafted. I I do like Arwen more than Elrond. I'm just surprised. He's a very popular character. So Arwen. Ar- I, Arwen, I thought about drafting. I, I, really I really did. I feel like I should have. I just really like Theoden. But like Arwen is really like badass. Like she saves Frodo's life. Like that's her introduction. It's like. Yeah. Good she's a force to be reckoned with. Like, oh, that is a She's scene. not just like a damsel in distress. I'm a faster she writer. is powerful. Ca- capable. Yeah. Hundred yeah. percent. Maybe I should have gone there. I wanted to take a woman. Because uh, like that is what Game of Thrones. I mean, not sorry, Game of Thrones, excuse my bite my tongue there. Lord of the Rings. That is like what they're most heavily criticized for. Is that like However, the representation for female characters? I, I get that, but there's also like Aelwyn is a very like she like when she kills. It felt, that felt shoehorned. I don't know. She, uh, that, I think she actually says that in the book. Um, but, like, um, I am no man. But, like, um, Arwen's a very strong character. She actually tells her dad straight up, like, no, you're wrong. I choose a mortal life. F yourself. <laughs> like, um, and then there's Galadriel, who's the most powerful being besides Sauron. Um, but, yeah, I do hear they get that a lot. But again, you gotta think. And now this is fancy, but it's supposed to take place in like the Middle Ages, like, and that's how yeah. it was, like. Yeah. So, but I, it's not. Again, it's modern because it's like from the past hundred years, but it's not modern by twenty-first century standards. True. Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand yeah. what you're saying there. Um, that's all I got. Any final comments before we wrap up this draft and we I, kind of preview Rings of Power? Go ahead, Ricky. I, I will say so. Like we mentioned, a couple like Legolas's dad, Thorndell, would have been a good supporting character for yeah. me. Um, the White Orc as a villain, like yeah. in the Hobbit trilogy, uh, the Nazgul, 
I think it's Ball Rock or something. Ball Rock. Oh, gotcha. Then a Nazgul, specifically Angmar, I think would have been a good villain. Witch King of Angmar. Which I was gonna say the Witch King of Angmar. Yeah, (laughs) he was. (laughs) I thought that that was that was probably the next guy if I couldn't get small. I I was. I would go hit picking him. Like Gollum is arguably, I would have, I wanted to take Gollum a supporting character potentially. I think that he would blow everyone out of the water in that regard. Uh, but you took him as villain, you yeah. know. So once you do that and, as villain, I'm like, oh, okay. Did, and then, did anyone, oh, go ahead, Rick. No, no go, you ask. I have only one more. No, go ahead. You're probably going to say it. No, I would say like one character I really wanted to pick um, just to show some appreciation for the Hobbit trilogy, but I, I ended up doing that anyways. But it didn't fit into any of these categories was Thorin Oakenshield. Thorin, he's a yeah. hobbit. Oh, he's a dwarf. He's a dwarf. Yeah. I yeah. would have taken him for any hobbit. of the categories. Um, Aimer, we talked about Carl oh, Urban, just yeah. not enough screen time. I also like one of the low-key best animals in like movies is Shadowfang. Shadowfax. Oh, did I get yeah. did I get it wrong? Shadowfax. Beautiful creature. Yeah, just like yeah. that moment Majestic in Two piece. Towers when they uh is it he or she? I think it's a he. He saves Aragorn, that beautiful moment and takes a knee and then she uh, then rides all the way back, right, to uh Theoden. Incredible moment. Um I'm trying to think who else I had. I had Faramir. Faramir. I was gonna say that one. Also that, has that. a good redemption arc similar to yeah. Boromir. It's almost too similar, to be honest. And now we already talked about Gimli. We talked about Elrond. Oh, was it Haldir? Halder? The 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 elf. Um, he looks like Legolas. Oh yeah, I always forget his name. I know he died. I wish he had yeah. more screen time. He had potential. Yeah, it's too bad he died. Like he was good. Yeah, battle home yeah. sleep. It'll get you. Yeah, he's good for the short amount of time he was on screen though. Okay, perfect. All right, that's gonna do it for the draft. Um, and Mike, are you? Will you be joining us for our Rings of Power recaps? Uh, sure. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Very I'll be too excited. Episode one debuting this Friday. We're going to have a recap released for the weekend for you. And then guess what? House of the Dragon coming this Sunday. We'll have our, our reactions to episode three to House of the Dragon dropping Monday. This is the streaming wars, baby. This is something that we've been talking about, a rivalry that is about to begin Rave reviews for early season uh, House of the Dragon. Early reviews are in for Rings of Power. Also, it's people are even claiming it's better than House of the Dragon so far. Things are heating up right now. Make sure you're also tuning in to the feed, wherever you're listening right now. Hit that follow button. Uh, like, uh, rate, five stars. Leave a review. Leave a review. We'll share it on the next podcast. We're doing She-Hulk 2. All right, hopefully things start heating up. Maybe we get some Daredevil action. Who knows? More Emil Blonsky, hopefully, is Abomination. Maybe, hopefully, not very cringeworthy. We'll see what happens. They've been kind of getting wild on social media feeds as of late. Thank you again to Big Mike for joining us for this podcast. All right? Make sure you're also, if you're watching on YouTube, like, comment, subscribe. All right? Simple as that. For Dr. O and Ricky Flicks, until next time, we 